Persistence. What is persistence? Persistence is where you carry on and keep on going and then eventually you succeed. Or persistence is just plain stupidity where you carry on. You spend all your day trying to make a microphone work and it still doesn't work. And then at the end of the day when you're tired and you're fed up, you say, you know what, I should have given up in the first place and just waited, wasted, wasted waited for the postman to come with a new microphone and then I would not have wasted all the time so that's one view of persistence however if you're playing with microphones you are practicing you are rehearsing how to speak which is a skill in itself as my old friend Elaine used to say she does it for a living you need to broadcast you need to enunciate you need to throw your voice how do you throw your voice? Is it like throwing a, a curveball in baseball? No, that's a thought for you. So let's see if this new foam cover is super duper and works too. Stuffing Tony by Michael Casey. Stuffing Tony, what am I talking about? No, not our tame turkey whom we've decided to eat, nor anything else. Tony is in fact a soft toy. He is my small daughter's favourite the one she loves the most. He's a white tiger. He was, in fact, her sister's white tiger, her sister's birthday tiger from a few years ago. But she cried until she owned him. Tony is a very washed-out, bleached kind of tiger. Tony has been through the washing machine a couple of times. He was very, very dizzy when he came out. Yesterday, Tony got a brother. His brother is a ginger tiger, now christened Ginger. Ginger makes us laugh because Ginger is how English people call my Shanghai wife because they can't pronounce her Chinese name. Tony is one of 40 stuffed toys the girls have. They live up the corner behind the sofa which is just behind me. They are allowed out to form a class where my small daughter plays teacher. Afterwards they climb back into the Iceland carrier bags and go to sleep. There is a problem for t with Tony though. He's lived in the fast lane and has lost the loss of weight. So following strict instructions today I've done a transplant surgery which is like a heart transplant but with much, much more more important and dangerous. Today without any sedative or epidural I made Looney Chip donate some stuffing to Tony. I took the scissors and made an incision in Looney Chip's behind. I then proceeded to remove the stuffing I had previously made an incision in Tony's neck at the back. It was then a process of removing stuffing from Lunichik and stuffing Tony. The whole procedure lasted 20 minutes. Tony now looks very plumped up and proud, as the leader of the pride should look. As for Lunichik, he, she, it, whatever I should call it, is now looks as if they've had a few dodgy kebabs, very slim, but at least the head still looks plump. When the girls come home from school, <coughs> we'll decide what to do with Lunichik. Should we stuff him with chopped up old clothes or bubble wrap, or should we make him face the death sentence and be sent to a charity shop? I know it sounds cruel, but since he came back from Shanghai in 2009, he's mainly been a cushion for my bad back. There are very serious things a modern parent has to deal with. Luckily, I know how to sew and I have a very special relationship with all the ties. Now that Tony is full and looks like a weightlifting tiger, I hope Ginger won't be jealous. Otherwise, 
one of them may have to end up in the zoo or the closest equivalent in one of the 13 charity shops near our house. You can read more at www.michaelgcasey.wordpress.com and you may also buy my books on Amazon Kindle. And don't forget, a Kindle book can be downloaded to a Kindle device, but also to a PC and a desktop. So, you've got no excuses. Crawling like a worm in the dirt. This is a true story. Crawling like a worm in the dirt. Humbled by a photocopier by Michael Casey. This was my 100th blog post. So that's from a few years ago. I developed a back problem. <laughs> yeah, it hurts. Well, this is my 100th post. I had hoped I could think up something nice or even spectacular. This is what I've come up with. I'm laughing now as I type. Yesterday, five minutes after I started work, I went down to fill up the copiers. These are industrial size photocopiers. They go through boxes and boxes and boxes every day. Say 40 boxes of A4. That's how many. So I filled one up, then another, then I did a third, then I screamed. I had straightened up too fast and had ricked, strained my back on the right hand side. <coughs> Excuse me. So these past 27 hours has been a lesson in pain and humility. I felt such a fool at work. The girls I worked with both were <laughs> sympathetic and funny. Somebody came by looking for some coloured paper. I bent down again, looking under our shelf. That was wracked with pain. One girl told me to crawl away out of the way so that she could find it instead. I held the way out of the way. The rest of the, the, rest of the day I moved around like an eight-year-old, rather like my, my own dad. I hoped that on my lunch break, break, while I sat for 30 minutes in the cathedral, my back would be restored. We all stand all day in our print room. Some of you may have re remember me mentioning this before. We stand all day. It was about 30 degrees. So prayer and rest for 30 minutes, and no <coughs> prayer and rest for 30 minutes is good for the body and for the soul, but not for the back. I went back to work and hobbled about for a couple of hours. Then I decided I really had to go home and rest. Getting home. I got off the bus and had to walk only 300 yards to the house. I walked like a crippled Charlie Chaplin kind of walk, though I looked more like Oliver Hardy. I was home two hours earlier than normal, so the family were surprised. I told them I was fired as a joke. Then I sat down in an old chair, and then I could hardly move. Standing up again was an impossibility. Last Friday, we had a drama with my youngest, and we thought she had swallowed a thermometer. You have to watch children. This Friday, Friday the 13th, it was my turn. My girls all laughed at me, just as I would laugh at them if the tables were reversed. Night came and I knew I could never climb the stairs to bed. But at least our bathroom was downstairs. It's still downstairs now, I looked. So I tumbled onto our sofa and got ready to spend the night there. Only we have a glass coffee table in front of it, and I was afraid of falling onto it. So, at 1am, I staggered up the stairs like a drunk with locked joints. Then I rolled onto my bed, screaming as I did so. I did sleep, but in the morning I had to slither out like a snake, sliding out of bed and on my belly. Some positions were possible and some were not. My wife laughed till she cried. My youngster did the, did the same. As for me, I laughed and cursed and laughed again. 
My wife went to the pharmacy for advice and a spray for me. DP in the red can recommended. The pharmacist laughed too. He's an old friend. When she got back, I was all sprayed up. The old spray in the new one drenching me and my room with the stench of a bad back. I slid in and out of bed, crawling around as I couldn't stand up straight. As for getting downstairs, that would be another impossibility. My wife went shopping, stopping first to steal my debit card, laughing she left me in bed full of pain. When she returned, she gave me yoghurt and orange juice. Later, I just had to go downstairs, but I couldn't walk. The bathroom's downstairs, you see. I slithered off the bed like a snake. Then, I made it up to my hands and knees. Then, an inspired idea. I bounced down the stairs, one at a time, on my butt, one step at a time. Then I crawled across the living room and pulled myself up onto a chair. I did notice we, did, we do need a new carpet. After 20 years, a carpet does need replacing. I then rewarded myself by stealing my wife's pork, which she'd just made. Shanghai pork tastes fantastic. Later, after some movements like belly dancer of, of 120 years old, 120 year old belly dancer, that's me, I managed to straighten up. I do walk as if I have a full diaper, as the Americans call it. Or in England, I had a nappy full of poo. I was walking like that. I made it to my big chair in front of the computer. And that's how I got to write this, my 100th post. The moral of all this? Well, I'm a very bad patient. Health is the most important thing in our lives. I can say that's true now, five years on, with a bad back and a bad hip. So rejoice that your children have got a sense of humour, even if you are the butt of it. Last year, when I had food poisoning, yes, I had that as well, they had plenty to laugh about. I lost half a stone in a week and I do laugh at that memory and I do rejoice in the memory of Andrex Toilet Staper too. We are us, humans, people, we are all worms crawling in the dirt. It's God's love that lifts us up as does family life and your children just laugh at you. Sometimes it's only through pain and adversity that we learn such truths. Sometimes we learn mundane things but they too are meaningful for us even if it's just the fact that we need a new living room carpet. Writer's Block by Michael Casey I couldn't think what to write about at the off the top of my head. Normally an idea presents itself and away I go. So I decided to, to write about Writer's Block because I can't think about what to write about. So Writer's Block. I have to get to bed now. I normally write something before bedtime and sometimes other times. Anyway, this writer has got to go to bed. So forgive the break, and in the morning I'll continue this theme. I did once work with a guy called Duncan, who could not sleep during the day, so when on night shift, he fell asleep. He'd be typing away at the keyboard in the computer room, then whoosh, his head would fall forward, and he'd hit his head on the screen, and then he'd be fast asleep. So, to avoid that, I'm going to bed right now. Night, night. Good morning. Well, I've been, I've been to bed, I've had my sleep. Now Duncan headbutting the computer. He must be over 40 now, but in memory he's 20. Memory does play a big part in writing. You harvest memories. I seem to remember childhood like a video recorder. But where did I just put my shades? Where's my mug? That's so much harder to do. We all have black holes too. Bad romance, if I must quote Lady Gaga, can be one of them. 
Now to get started on writer's block, what has happened this morning before I pick up the pen again to talk to you? Well, it's afternoon now, nearly 2pm. My girls have deserted me for a day trip to London. They will be eating expensive cake now in Covent Garden. Shanghai mums and their daughters just love cake. Just like Marie Antoinette perhaps, I've also done a quick bit of painting in the bathroom while they are away. So the paint has a chance to dry while they are eating cake. Now, is it deliberate time wasting by a writer, any writer, so that you don't have to face the page? It could be. I even popped out to the corner shop, but I did have to. It wasn't an excuse, honest. I've had a couple of mugs of hot stuff. First I will teen, as I've given up coffee for a year now, now, so I have to drink something. Then I had my one daily cup of disgusting green tea. And yes, it is disgusting. My, f my friend, is a biochemist, just looked at me like I was an idiot and said, add milk or sugar. When I complained, just how bad it tasted. As for my Shanghai wife, she scolded me and says I was diluting the goodness out of it. I'm also listening to the three Mike and the Mechanic albums I have. My record co collection kind of stopped 20 years ago, so it's like the 90s revisited if you lived next door to me. So now I'm explaining everything I can find. So now I've explained everything, I can finally talk about writer's block. Though I may stop for a moment for some painkilling cream. Hip, hip, hooray! It's an easy pun, so forgive me. I have a hip problem. Now, what have I proved as I go through the 500 word and pain barrier simultaneously? I think I've proved that writers will do anything so as not to face the page, if they have writer's block. It's like avoiding confession if you're a Catholic. Which reminds me, I read a piece by Holy Smoke in the Daily Telegraph this morning. It was about a drug that keeps you alert. Americans swear by it. I did tweet Holy Smoke himself to say imagination is the best drug and any substances destroy it. I don't think he'll reply, but the smoke from the thoroughfare was very intoxicating when as an altar boy and reader all those years ago, 40 years plus. Writer's block is like a man on death row wanting to carry on his own conversation with his own shadow so as to keep the hangman at bay. Did I tell you I once read a book about Pierre Pont, the last ex executioner? It was very good. Get to the point, you bastard. I can hear any telegraph readers say as they read this, but I think I've already made my point. I never get writer's block. It may be because of all the paint fumes seeping into the front room from where I'm talking to you. It's All in the Stars by Michael Casey. Louise just loved to read her stars in the papers, but gradually she became disillusioned. They were too inaccurate, too general. She wanted more detail, a personal touch. She wanted to know how her life would be. Not, you'll have a happy day today. A surprise come home, could come your, its way. She wanted more. She wanted, so she went to see a clairvoyant. The clairvoyant was a gypsy who had pitched her caravan in the ball ring. Louise happened to be there buying new knickers for herself outside St. Martin's Church when she spotted the sign saying, Fortune's told, cheap prices, under a fiver to know your future. So grasping her knickers in the carrier, she climbed the four step into the caravan. The fortune teller looked like a rugby player in drag. Well, that's normal for fortune tellers, so Louise wasn't afraid. She had 30 minutes before she had to go to stats and some and some special report writing for Derek the boss. The bells of St. Martin pealed, and lunchtime service was about to begin. As for Louise, she held her breath. What would the future bring? Michael also wanted to know his future. 
He read his stars avidly in the papers. He'd buy his sh shopping in Safeways, and once through the checkout, he'd read his stars in all the newspapers before discarding the papers and leave them with, and leaving them there in a heap, just with his shopping. The papers in a heap at his feet. He always hoped the stars would tell when he'd meet the love of his life. What he failed to notice is that while he had his head in the newspapers, pretty women were standing right next to him, browsing the women's magazines. If only he looked up from the stars. Fate would bring the two together. In fact, they lived in the same street. Their paths had never crossed. Michael lived at number 10, and Louise lived at number 25. <coughs> Michael had been a computer operator for 20 years, but when the job had ended, he took the first job that came along, so he, now he was a security guard. Not one of those thick ones in uniforms. No, he was a guard in the new travel lodge on Broad Street, the biggest hotel in the city. He wore a suit and a nice badge with his name on it, and he had a nice slim radio, so he was an upper-class security guard. It was the perfect job for him because he liked meeting people and having a gossip. The fortune teller to had told Louise that she'd meet somebody strong and reliable, though perhaps a little boring. Things would happen suddenly and she'd be swept off her feet. Louise liked strong men. Why, she, she'd been to see the Chippendales four times. Or was it 44 times? So she smiled to herself and left the caravan, clutching her carrier of knickers. The months passed and still Louise hadn't found her Mr. Reliable. She'd got offers, of course. She enjoyed strutting her stuff in all the pubs over the black country with her friend Mary. Only the offers was always from men just past their sell-by date. Men who would buy you a pint and a bag of chips and then want to feel more than your, your hips as she danced to the 70s glam rock. So Louise said it, said it, and she slapped another man across the face. Why couldn't men be gay without being gay? You know, gay men treated you like a lady and didn't grow. Just why couldn't she find one? Like that. When would one like that turn up? Michael finished another 12-hour shift and was running around his flat naked, scratching his bum and drinking another two litres of Coca-Cola. He switched the telly on and surfed the teletext. His hi-fi was, was on two plain Genesis. He always read the news on all the channels before <coughs> reading his stars on ITV, Channel 4, Channel 5 and Sky. His whole working life involved working odd hours with even other people, so he'd never met anybody put with his lifestyle. Now 40 was on the horizon. Was he clutching at straws, hoping against hope by reading his stars to cheer himself up? Joe from the kitchen had given him a Christmas card saying, I hope the girl of your dreams finds you in 98. And the year was half over. Michael sighed. <sighs> at least he could have a quiet cry while he watched the weepies on Sky and the other channels. Little Women was perhaps his favourite film. The ending where the professor said, said he had empty hands, he had nothing to give, but the girl gave him her hands and said, now they are full. His own father had nothing when she met his mum, then she met his mum, yet she married him, and he married her and her false teeth, and they went on to have six children. So Michael watched and weeped, at least there was refuge and solace in prayer. Okay. Now, what else happened after that? So he kept on praying and praying, looking at his stars in equal doses. Louise slammed the door of a flat and rearranged her blouse. That bastard had more hands than an octopus. He left his thumbprint on her boob too, and the bra strap was broken as well. She had to go to the boring on Monday and get herself a new red bra, and new red knickers too. 
It was all matching set after all. She flicked off the telly, Central Weekend was still on. Russell Grant was on, so she didn't switch off. He was saying that a proper reading involved study. Louise examined her bruised boob as he talked. Still listening, she practiced undressing technique. It had been at Mary's Cosmo three months before, so she had been practicing. Once she met a gay man who wasn't gay, she'd have the full, but he'd have the full benefit of it. It was all about pleasing him, so to please herself. But that's how Cosmo explained it. So there she was, naked before Tilly, with just Russell Grant smiling at her. And it's all about examining your potential and optimizing your best bits, he said. Louise examined her boob again and her bum, and she found another bruise there. So he was standing naked before Russell Grant, a very camp Russell Grant, and the studio audience. She decided to do to do it herself. She'd go to the library and to get some books. She'd form she'd form her own fortune. She'd cast her own fortune. She'd be a DIY astrologer. Michael dried the tears from his eyes and switched the TV off, scratched his bum, and went into bed. If only a millionaireess could stop at the hotel and fall in love with him. Well, it happened in film, didn't it? His stars were contradictory as usual, so he just believed the nice ones. Louise had, be, had switched off the telly when she glanced out of the window, only to see a naked man get into bed. Michael was afraid of the dark, you see, so he always left a chink of light in his curtain. And Louise, by chance, or was it fate, she had seen him. He was fat and very hairy, but at least he had a big, hairy chest. She just lived, she just loved men with big, hairy chests. So sniggering, Louise headed for her own bed. The following Monday, Louise dashed up the library and got as many do-it-yourself horoscope books as she could find. There were five, in fact. She read them all, and then photocopied the best bits, the works, <coughs> and the works. Photocopy. No more newspapers of her. She'd do it herself. She had five minutes left on her lunch hour, so she went and got a new matching bra and knickers from the morning, and some grapes, too. She just loves grapes. Somebody was selling a telescope, too. So on impulse, she bought it, that too. It was only a fiver. She'd be able to gaze up at the stars. Michael had a nice day at the hotel. People seemed to like him. Well, in five minutes, doses, that is. A millionaireess did stop at the hotel. Only she was a bitch. She knew she was rich and beautiful and intelligent, and she wanted the whole world to know it. It was only she had a dose of humility. That had changed, he thought. He just thought, if only she would change be a nice person. <coughs> My <coughs> Michael was a humble man. He did a humble job. Michael smiled and carried all the shopping for, for this millionaireess and put it in the waiting taxi. And she swore at him for not being quick enough. What his stars had said, you will be mixing the with the rich and famous, and so it was. He was carrying her bags. Louise dashed home with the carrier full of library books. She'd know her fortune tonight. She was a bit impetuous at times. She'd have to work out her future tonight. She saw the light going to Michael's flat. And she did have a telescope. So she gave in to temptation and spied on him. It was nice, very nice. Then she nearly dropped the telescope. He had a horrid birthmark on his left shoulder. A big brown stain, all covered in hair. It was a bit like the elephant man. Louise laughed and then went back to her books. As for Michael... He put the Disney Channel on and watched Beauty and the Beast. He could emphasise with the Beast. He'd been called the Beast himself because of his birthmark. Girls had run away from him because of it all. They could put up with him being fat, but the birthmark as well, that was too much. 
So Michael watched Beauty and the Beast and cried and cried. Some say a man should not cry, but Michael knew that was all rubbish. Rubbish, rubbish, rubbish. It was good to be in touch with your emotions. A good cry cleanses the, the soul. Recently he started listening to Classic FM, because one of the cleaners had told him about it. <laughs> uh, and that made him cry too. He could just, <coughs> he could just hear a few violins and so forth. But it was too much for him. He would cry. But it was nice beca because <coughs> there'd never be anyone to see him cry. He could be true to his own soul and cry and cry. Humility <coughs> was what humi humble was what he was now, working in the hotel carrying bags. Louise looked up from her books. She spent five hours reading. The future was hers. She picked up the telescope again, this time to look at her Uranus. But the sky was clouded over, so she watched Michael's bum as he went to bed. We spent weeks reading. She even went to West Bromwich Library in search of books. She was confident she knew. <coughs> she, <coughs> she was confident she knew she'd always be okay for money, and that was all that matters as far as she was concerned. So as long as she could pay the bloody mortgage and could feed her cat Sam, one night Mary couldn't come on the razzle, strutting her stuff with Louise. And as Louise was a bit of a curl, she stayed in and watched the telly. Elephant Man was on, the music was good, but Louise hated the black and white. I was going to switch it off, but it was as, as compelling, so compelling in a horrible way. And as she watched, she looked at the window and could see a naked Michael. She laughed, then she looked back at the Elephant Man, then she laughed. Elephant Man lived over the road, Sam, she told the cat. Then the music touched her, she felt guilty, a silent tear fell. She couldn't bear her guilt as she got up and switched the telly off. She didn't have a remote control. She put Heart FM on loud to cheer herself up. But her eyes were drawn over the road towards Michael's back. So she picked up the tel telescope. It's not that bad, I suppose. If I were his girlfriend, I'd shave it. Then she dropped the telescope and reached for her chocolate. And soon forgot him. Heart of M was great. She had forgotten him. Hazel got the flu. So would anybody like a ticket to see Phantom of the Opera? So, it would <coughs> so as it was free, Louise had it. She liked classical music too, as well as glam rock. So it would be a, a night out for her and Mary. The Phantom was great, a bit like Disney's Beauty and the Beast, really, or even The Hunchback of Notre Dame, about love crossing insurmountable barriers. Mom had once said to his mom that he wasn't good enough for anybody, and his mother chided him with, of course he was, love conquers all was her message and so was the message of phantom louise ate her chips on the on the bench outside the hippodrome her mind troubled mary thought she was a bit quiet louise lied and said she only tired but once home she got her telescope out and watched michael's back again as she played the cd of the show that she bought phantom of the opera guilt overcame her and she cried she cried just like a little girl now, sometimes fate cannot wait no longer. It bursts on the scene. It demands attention. Louise had returned the books to the library. She had just brought more knickers from the ball ring. It was while she was crossing the road at the top of Hill Street, Birmingham, that she nearly walked under a bus. Had it not been for a strong hand pulling her back from, from under the bus, a strong hand pulling on a brass strap, she would have been dead. Pervert was on her lips as she fell backwards, but the noise of the the noise and shadow of the bus drowned out her words. 
I could have been killed. She just stuttered as she got to her feet. That's why I grabbed you. You brushed up. Was that strange? You replied, Michael. Louise looked up to see who had saved her. She looked deep into his eyes, his childlike eyes. She screamed. She fainted. He caught her in his strong arms. A full minute later, she opened her arms. But, 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 it's you. I've never seen you with your clothes on, she stammered. Louise, pardon, replied Michael, not knowing not knowing her guilty secret. You see, we are neighbours in Miracle Road, explained Louise. Here's your knickers, replied Michael, as he picked up the carrier and, and it spilled contents. But, but, you saved my life, said Louise, before smothering him in kisses. It saved her life, after all. Let's go for a coffee and Dunkin' Donuts, suggested Michael. You, ha you have had a shock, after all. And that was how they finally met. It was all in the stars. I think they went on to have 12 children and lived happily ever after. You get a lot of family aunts with child children after all. So Louise and Michael met. It was all in the stars. Suck Tests by Michael Casey. Now I've decided to start my recording all my shorts, all 500 of them. I write two or three a week, so the total increases all the time. I have recorded about 20 or so already, but some of those were only spoken and not down on paper, if you like spontaneous speaking. Wrong word there. I did get asked by Radio Station to provide audio and even a bit of video. The quality was not perfect, but I did send PDF some materials too. So I was hoping that that would open the door for me. I'm beginning to think that one door has stayed closed. So I've decided to make better recordings and to record the last 500 or so. I have put some recordings on Tumblr check out Michael G. Casey there. I had thought that my microphone was too hissy, so I've been looking at mics on the internet. There is a great site in Germany where you can actually hear the sound quality of the mic before you buy it. You get a snatch of somebody singing in different mics. This is really great. I've also looked at different sites here in the UK and on Amazon, of course. I was recommended a, a good mic by the German site, and they also give three years guarantee, which is great. I decided to do a bit I decided to do a bit more research though. The recommended voice had great reviews on Amazon. However, I decided to follow my brother's mantra. Always look for the negative when buying a house. Also always look for the negative wherever you're doing. So I looked at the worst reviews. When you read reviews you are trusting a stranger. And bad reviewers can have an axe to grind. The bad reviewer just said Google hiss on the XYZ and there I found more evidence. I could have bought the wrong mic. However, what you have to remember is that audiophiles have a much, much, much higher standard. They will use speaker wire and have amps and preamps galore. Remember the kind of mic I hope to use is what professional musicians use. Obviously the cheaper version, but musicians do have a better ear. I'm smiling now because I have an ear infection as I speak to you. So in a way, it left me uncertain what to do. As money is scarce, if and when radio people do use my stuff, all my opportunities will arrive together, like dominoes falling down. Or as my Irish cousin said, when my dad survived a fatal heart attack, and then I went on to meet my wife in the old people's home where he was, I had all my luck in one go. I'm also hoping that the film producer picks up a script of mine too. I just have to keep on waiting. I've heard somewhere that pre-productions can take months. So, who knows, I may have to wait till Christmas. I also googled best USB microphone, 
and get a list of the top 10. So I looked on Amazon again, and by accident, I was at USA Amazon, and there I stumbled over a six-minute film review of the best USB microphone. It turned out to be one of the cheapest ones, too. But I watched and listened to this six-minute preview and thought, I'll get that one. It's only $40 on USA Amazon. The sound quality really was good. The next thing I thought about was, how could I improve my microphone? Which leads me to the title of today's short, Sock Test. All professional mics have a cover or a piece of fluffy stuff on the end of the mic to prevent wind, noise and hiss. Sounds like noises from toilets. So I thought, what if I put the cover on my unused mobile phone over the end of my mic, stick mic? Once I did that, I recorded a few sample words and listened back to the results. It did improve the sound of my voice or rather took away some of the hiss. Actually, I don't like the way I sound. I sound like a teenager or a drunk. That's how it seems to my own ears. So then I thought, how can I make it better? So I found some old work, fluffy work socks and used them wrapped around my, my mic with the mobile sock holding in place. Sound quality improved and the mic looked more ridiculous. Then I had to go out shopping. I had a brainwave on my way home. What if I used mini rollers for painting as microphone socks? I had to tear away the core of the roller just so I could get the foam off. Once done, I tested my sound again. The mic looked silly. See the photo below. It was like a corn dog on a stick or something. But more importantly, the sound quality was getting so much better. I then tweaked it by pulling the foam off an extra half an inch. Hey presto, I was a BBC sound man. I'll get an Oscar for sound next. I'll do a few more tests in the morning, once the screams from the horror film in the living room subside, half the wife and half the film. I'm pleased with my endeavours. If you go to Tumblr, you can listen to me reading the short out using my corn dog microphone. Just tell your local radio to put my 500 shorts on their playlist and on their website, or tell me to put a suck in it. The saga continues. Well, I've used the foam from a mini roller as a microphone cover. Now I've got three uh, fluffy ones. It's like like Dulux dog kind of hairy, very hairy, fluffy rollers. Um, I tried pulling them off the extra plastic centre, couldn't make it work. So what I've done now, I've cut an elastic band and I've tied three mini rollers around the top of my microphone. Yes, it's terrible. Haven't I got a life? Shouldn't I go to the pub? Am I just a miser? Or am I just broke? Or am I just somebody looking for material that can write about? All of the above, probably. So, this is the test. Can you hear me? Does it sound okay? Is it hissy? Or have I eliminated all of the, all of the, the hiss by wrapping three mini sheepdog rollers round the top of my microphone? I'm going to stop recording now and we'll find out together. Do you remember when you have dreams? I wish I could have this, I wish I could have that. For me, one of the dreams would be an automatic watch. Because I love watches. The first watch was given to me for passing 11 plus. Even though I hadn't even taken the exam. Luckily I did pass the 11 plus. So I could enjoy the watch with no sense of guilt. The thing about watches is they break. I probably had 20 watches in 20 years because I was always carrying boxes of paper, opening doors, 
backwards and forwards in my computer room days. Twenty years with AC Nielsen. Although in them days it was, wasn't called AC Nielsen, it was called Stats, that's what we used to call it. We were a separate company and we were so good we were bought up. Yes, that really happened. And I was even part of the package, I suppose. <laughs> so th things change, your watches break. I had a watch, it steamed up, and then the glass fell out. So I thought, I know what I'll do. I'll super glue the glass back on. Good idea, but not in my hands. Talking of hands, I glued the minute and our hands together so the watch didn't work. It was a piece of junk, I had to throw it away. This, this, was, the, this was the pattern for 20 years. Finally, I had a really good watch. And I really enjoyed it, and I didn't break it. I gave it to my dad when he was in hospital. And guess what? It was stolen from the hospital, so I never got it back. And that was probably the best watch I ever had. At the moment, I've got a your grey watch, the same kind that President Obama wears, only because the Secret Service gave him one. It's okay, it's a nice big shiny strap. It, it looks posh actually. But will it last? So far it's lasted one year and three months. So that's quite a long time for me. So <laughs> but if ever I make some money, I will buy an automatic watch, a Cartier Diamond Blur automatic watch with a steel strap. Those are my dreams. But first of all, I have to discover how to make this microphone work. I have ordered another one that's on its way. I don't know whether or not that will work. That's a, a that's a cheap su cheap but supposedly supposedly good one. So whether it is or it isn't, we'll find out. And then in the end, finally, I'll buy something decent, and then I will record these 500 shorts, which is will take forever and ever and ever. <laughs>